Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Welcome to the Ghost of Harren Hall. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 180 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 36 of A Storm of Swords. That's Davos 4. And as you probably know by now, we're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully we're going to provide you some entertainment along the way. We will summarise what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry and cover some relevant news and listener correspondence. Be sure to check out the show notes. They'll provide some additional information about the characters and geography of this chapter. How are you, McKelly? I'm doing just fine. It was good to see you yesterday, even though once again you disappeared before I got to uh, come over and chat. The problem is, is in these public, I'm, I'm in such demand, you know. And plus, I know when I came are. over to your table, I got grilled as a manager for like, <laughs> what the heck was going on in the company. I'm like, all right, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> I'm leaving. Yes, I know. And since we see each other so regularly, usually I let uh, you chat with other folks. But uh, I did think. The, all right, I'm going to go find Simon. And then I looked and you were nowhere to be seen. Well, I had so. I had soccer. That's why. I thought you might have been up yeah, there. I, was, I thought that's probably where you went. Exactly How'd that go? Uh, well, it was the preseason scrimmage. So I'm not going to worry too much about it. But but it's okay. funny because I've I've picked a lot of the same players who didn't quite do what I wanted them to do last season. I think I've upgraded <laughs> a little bit, but there's a lot of commonality. And we were exactly the same as last season. We were the better Go team, figure. but profligate in front of goal and susceptible to breakaway goals at the other end. So we ended up getting a 3-3 tie, which uh, is just not good enough. No, not when you're the better team. Exactly. Well, I'm sure you'll you'll get them whipped into shape here before too I, I will, I will. I, I started a couple of threads with individuals about what they can do to make our team successful. I like it. The leadership. Mm-hmm. Clear exactly. leader. You're like Stannis Baratheon of the uh, of your soccer team. In, in terms of my willingness to uh, vary my tactics and plan, yes, <laughs> very much like Stannis. <laughs> my way or the highway. Right. Well, uh, speaking of work, I noticed that uh, <laughs> our podcast life is rubbing off a bit into my work life as as most people know, we are writers, you and I, and we document things often with terms like this window, this screen, this pane. And I noticed in my documentation, I mean, it's not like it was official documentation, but as I was writing it up, I spelled pane, P-A-Y-N-E, like Sir Ilian was. uh... (laughs) Very nice. That's good. Like Sir Ilian was going to walk across the screen. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So, yeah, I thought, oh, goodness. How do you spell pain again if it doesn't have a Y in it? <laughs> I forget. I, I would have corrected that and got it wrong again because I would have, once I've made the mistake, I would have then gone P A I N, forgetting what I was actually <laughs> right, aiming yes. for, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, you know, another thing I noticed 
this is not about this have anything to do with our work. This is, has to do with our Discord community. I was on the uh, GOH quotes pay, uh, channel. That channel racks me it is, up. It is very funny. It, uh, it's almost worth becoming a member of the Discord community just for that channel alone. So, uh, but, you know, I, I check it probably once a day or so at least. And I've noticed a trend. And I told you yesterday, I think it was, when we saw each other in person, that I noticed a trend that I'll tell you about uh, right now. Okay. I don't remember you saying that, but I'm glad I haven't forgotten what the trend was. (laughs) So I noticed that most of the quote, most of these stories that people retell of, of the funny quote is, it goes like this. Simon says something funny. McKelly's belly laugh. Belly laugh. (laughs) It's basically (laughs) like, it's, it's usually you doing something funny and me laughing about it. So I, I think I've determined that I've the Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson, (laughs) Uh, which might be a reference that half of our population has no idea what I'm referring to. (laughs) Yes. I, I I can see it though. I mean, definitely that does happen. I think I'm going to, I'm going to sort of defend you because I think you're every bit as funny as I am. But two things. One, you have a better laugh. So your laughter makes my stories better. And secondly... I've got a good laugh track laugh. Right, exactly. <laughs> secondly, uh, these people are writing out what they heard, what the funny story that they heard. Your stories are always 10 times as long as mine. It's the length. (laughs) I've got to be more concise with my stories. Exactly. (laughs) People are like, oh, I'd write, uh, that one's really funny, but. (laughs) I don't have that kind of time. Uh, The the one that cracked me up this this week was the one where I said to you, well, actually, no, this wasn't attributed. It was written out, but not attributed. So it could have been either of us. But the quote was something along the lines of, um, that is an interesting point. It was you. Although, <laughs> yeah, I know it was me. <laughs> Although between you saying it and me saying it was interesting, I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what was interesting about it. <laughs> yes, but that made me laugh is, out every, loud. <laughs> every time someone puts a quote in there, I don't remember it. I mean, like every single time I'm like, I gotta go listen to that. It sounds funny. You know? Yeah, there was one in there today that I haven't looked up. There's something about you wearing women's underwear, and I well, I, I did not actually, remember that what one. That's I did from. remember it was. I'm well, sure you would. Coincidentally, <laughs> back to soccer at work. On the to sign up for soccer at work, you there's a form you fill it in, and it basically just like gets your level of attendance. Your the best level you ever played at, you know, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. And then there's just a, a free form field for notes. And last season, one of the people signed up wrote in the free form notes, knowing that me and the other captains would all get a spreadsheet with every single one of these words oh, yes, said yes. Simon wears women's underwear. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. I do mm. remember now. I yeah. just needed a reminder. It's, it's a guy you work with too. Oh, I, is his, you know is his hair cut yeah, similar, similar to mine? Sim- yes. Yeah. I think I know who you mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think Rob is now fishing to get stories into the podcast. Uh-oh. What's he done now? Well, so last week's story about the car on the train, tra- train tracks, that's 
thrilling stuff you know it that's is. definitely going in the podcast you know he knew as he was telling me that that was going in the podcast that's something you tell your grandkids about right this week there, there is a visual that goes with this and i should perhaps share that visual with you which is he went to a bathroom in a bar from which he is yet to be banned um <laughs> he the, I, I feel like there's a good the, future story coming when he gets banned from that bar. Almost certainly. Well, wait for the rest of this story. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the bathroom was was unisex, but it had a urinal or a urinal. But he took a photo of himself in the bathroom standing next to this thing. The lowest point of the lip of the bowl of this urinal <laughs> the story was going? above his belly button. <laughs> My brother's not a very tall fella, but there's no way. You'd have to be six foot six, two meters tall, to even be able to use that. I mean, I get when you're placing one of those on the wall, there's probably a, like, you know, you could get it wrong by a couple of inches. But this is way... Get it wrong by a foot. <laughs> exactly. I think it's absolutely miles away. But... I'll get you the photo of that, and you can we can share it on the Discord server because yes, it was, it was we funny. Sure will. I think we're slightly over time here, so why don't we yes. get down to business? Let, let's get down to another funny character and Stannis Baratheon, <laughs> who's who's having just fun and japes on <laughs> Dragonstone. Uh, yes, how did we leave Davos Seaworth? Uh, last we saw of Davos, he was alone in a cell in the Dragonstone Dungeons, being nursed back to health. He figured, oh, because uh, he was still sick from his long exposure in the in Blackwater Bay, right? Right. Uh, he figured they might be fattening him up, only to be burned alive. I, I mean, the fat is what would burn, you know? I mean, that's that's good, oh, that's good thinking, really. Yes, yeah. yes, true. Uh, to be burned alive in the name of Relor. When Melisandre paid him a visit, it didn't look good. However, she primarily wanted to talk to him about the coming battle between Relor and the Great Other. Later, Davos got a cellmate in the form of former Hand of the King, Alistair Florent. Seemed Alistair sent a letter to the Lannisters offering terms for peace. One of my team were to talk to one of the other captains, uh, yeah, <laughs> he'd right. be in a cell under Dragonstone too. Uh, Terms he did not get the okay from, from King Stannis. Um, so, Michele, why don't we give him the summary of this one? Okay. Well, Davis and Alistair Florent receive visitors. It's Axel, Alistair's brother, and the guard Davis nicknamed Lamprey. Seems Davis has been summoned by the king himself. The trio leave, and on Axel's orders, Lamprey takes the torch with him, leaving Alistair in complete darkness. Axel tells Davos that he'd burn him along with his brother if it were up to him. He's seen in the flames that Davos will betray King Stannis. He's also seen Stannis on the Iron Throne. But in order for that to happen, Stannis conveniently needs to make Axel his Hand of the King first, a ta task that Davos can help facilitate. Feels a little self-serving, but okay. It sounds it. All Davis has to do is tell Stannis he supports Axel as his new Hand of the King. If Davis will do that, Axel will see that he gets a new ship when they sail from Dragonstone. If Davis refuses to cooperate, Axel suggests that an accident might befall him. After all, Axel is Castellan of Dragonstone and the garrison is his. King Stannis awaits them in the chamber of the painted table. Davos is shocked at the physical change of his king since he last saw him at Storm's End. Stannis seems to have aged ten years in the intervening time. 
Regardless, Stannis smiled ever so slightly when he saw Davos. The first thing the king asks him is what the punishment for treason is. Davos knows it's death, but knows that Stannis knows that just as well. Davos gets the feeling he's being asked to condemn his cellmate Alistair. Davos tries to defend Alistair, but Stannis is not having it. The king compares himself to his brother Robert. Whereas Robert inspired loyalty, even from enemies, Stannis seems to only inspire betrayal, even from family. Stannis has Axel tell Davos the plan that Axel and Salador's son have hatched to get Stannis and his men back on the winning path. It involves attacking Claw Isle, seat of House Celtigar. Lord Adrian Celtigar fought for Stannis at the Battle of the Blackwater, but bent the knee to Joffrey the moment he was captured. Attacking that lightly held castle will show the realm what happens to those who side with the Lannisters. Stannis asks Davos his thoughts. Hesitantly, Davos offers that it's both folly and cowardice. After silencing the outraged Axel, Stannis asks Davos to back up his statement. Davos explains, Lord Celtigar is old and done, so it's not surprising that he bent the knee. The residents of Claw Isle are the women and children of the men who died for Stannis on the Blackwater. Those men who survived the battle bent the knee because their lord did. What does it prove to kill their innocent families? Stannis argues all men have a duty to their king above all else, to which Davos retorts, as you remained loyal to King Aerys when your brother raised his banners. Oh. A tense moment passes before Stannis admits it wasn't an easy choice to back Robert over his king. Stannis then admits he doesn't even really want the Iron Throne for personal reasons. It is his by right, and he has a duty to his daughter, brother, and to the realm. Stannis wants to know why Davis tried to murder Melisandre. It's then Davis realizes Stannis did know that he was in the dungeons. Davis admits it's because she burned four of his sons on the Blackwater, and Stannis sets him straight. It wasn't her. It was the imp. Blame Stannis if he needs a target. He let his pride get in the way and sent her to Dragonstone. He tells Davis Melisandre saw Renly's death in the flames, but had no more part in it than Stannis did. And she told Stannis to send for Davis when Axel wanted him to burn. Stannis then mentions that his nephew, Edric Storm, is sick and Maester Pylos is leeching him. Stannis is sure the boy will be fine, but he's got king's blood flowing through his veins, and that's powerful. Stannis then agrees with Davos that Axel's war plan is poor. It gains Stannis nothing. He then commands that Davos get on his knees. A confused Davos does as he's told. Stannis brandishes his sword that glows with fiery colors. However, when he touches Davos' shoulder, he feels no fire. For his good counsel and constant honesty, Stannis makes Davis his hand of the king. He wants Davis by his side in the upcoming battle. Davis is confused. They don't have the force for another battle against the Lannisters. Well, I'll here we come. (laughs) (laughs) When Davis says as much, another voice responds. Melisande has entered the chamber. It's the great battle the king refers to, between Relor and the great other. Seems Stannis has seen it himself in the flames. He saw men in black on a high hill in a forest and shapes moving in the snow. Stannis and Melisandre have a plan involving leeches. However, Melisandre insists it's not the right way. She asks for the boy, and with him she'll wake the stone dragons. 
Stannis refuses. The boy is his own blood, bastard or not, and he's innocent of any wrongdoing. Uh, resigning herself to her king's wishes, Melisandre offers Stannis a dish with three large leeches. Stannis takes the first one, saying, The usurper, Joffrey Baratheon, and throws the leech into the fire. He takes the second, the usurper, Balan Greyjoy, into the fire. Finally, he takes the third, the usurper, Rob Stark, and throws Uh-oh. that one into the fire too. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. That's a problem for Rob yeah. and Kat and the rest of yeah. the Starks. Well, before we get started, I will say Axel Florent went quite uh, hardcore on his brother here by taking the torch. Can you imagine if you're in a dungeon with a relative stranger and your brother comes down the stairs with a torch to say that one of you is getting out of here and he takes the other guy? Be like, <laughs> And then the torch. <laughs> and the torch too. <laughs> of course, it's only a, maybe a page or so later we see that Axel has designs on assuming Alistair's role as Hand of the King. Because Alistair was Hand of the King. and now, yeah. Yes. You know what? I mean, there is there is a sort of like a sort of like a sweeping, moving scene where uh, Davos becomes the hand of the king here. But Stannis has so few men; it's kind of like if it's not him, it's right. Fat patches. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that rather undermines the uh, the uh, honor. I feel <laughs> that is true. There's not a lot of options, but yeah. uh, you know, of course, when we get to it, we'll discuss what some of them were but uh yeah uh and axel wants the job he's uh he's going to push hard for it in fact he pushes so hard he almost pushes davis off of the, the <laughs> right that's how hard he's gonna push for the job if he had done that that would have been rather uh unfortunate for his claim uh, yeah i uh, sorry i pushed your friend off the thing <laughs> i'm out of the game <laughs> I felt like he might tell you the truth. <laughs> I've seen it in the flames. He was going to yeah. betray you. <laughs> so, yeah, he claims that uh, he sees the future in the flames, much like Melisandre does. And uh, like we we quickly mentioned in the summary, feels like he's seeing what he wants to see. Isn't everyone? Doesn't well, Melisandre? Yes. Doesn't Stannis? Yeah, I mean, but unlike Stannis later... He doesn't have the details to make it believable. Like, we know what happened on the Fist of the First Men. So we know, oh, yeah, Stannis actually possibly did see something that really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Axel's version is uh, that Stannis will sit the Iron Throne, and in order to do it, he must make me Hand of the King. <laughs> that's that. That's a tough one to uh, to disprove, because you can't say what someone else did or didn't see. But... It's incredibly self-serving. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, 
there isn't a lot more detail. I mean, if you saw Stannis sitting on the Iron Throne, there was a guy next to him with big ears and the Hand of the King badge on him. He'd be like, hey. <laughs> hey, that's me. I'm that works sure. out. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, if you did see that, how do you, uh, you know, how do you, how do you uh, tell other people that without looking like you're incredibly self-serving? So, mm-hmm. But it does, it does remind me of Melisandre's line to Davos last chapter when she came to visit him in the dungeon. And she said, the other's servants often hide black hearts in gaudy light. Mm. That definitely sounds like it. Sounds yeah. Like example. She did go on to say that the Lord of Light gives priests power to see through the falsehood. So I wonder if she has already deduced the fact that Alice Axel Florent isn't who he claims to be necessarily. I mean, look, you don't get to be Hand of the King without being, well, with the one exception of Davos Seaworth, you don't get to be (laughs) Hand of the King without being quite ambitious, you know? Well, yeah. Elbowing your rivals out of the way. And and ultimately, I guess that's why Stannis says Davos is the best fit for Hand of the King because you want the person that doesn't want the job for ambitious reasons yes yes absolutely i mean it's stannis is kind of funny about his relationship with with davos because he he often bridles at davos's uh speaking truth to power but at the same time he clearly values it and right. it's, it makes it very difficult i mean davos must constantly feel like he's on a tightrope you know uh-huh. yeah i gotta say this he's gonna be mad but <laughs> he's gonna not gonna it anyway. like it <laughs> yeah um so yeah so axel sort of gives uh davos the moral quandary of if you say the right thing here which is axel would be a great hand of the king then i'll make sure you're you know you get through this whereas if you betray me in that room you know when you talk to then i'm going to make sure you never see the light of day again and it makes Davos what Davos does next even more noble. You know? It does, yes, and and he has a moment of decision where he thinks a shove or a ship before he is honest about what he thinks of Davos yeah. of uh, Axel's plan. But oh, that's yeah. right. Cause, yes, because he offers him a ship, right? It's if right. if he, if if once Axel is out of the king, Davos would have his own ship again in the in the navy, which is obviously Davos likes to sail, so it would be right. Yeah, and. You know, it goes a little bit to Alistair, I'm not Alistair, Axel kind of playing loose with the with the whole, I am, you know, a true uh, believer in R'hllor, and I saw that you are going to betray Stannis in the flames, but if you're willing to vouch for me, I'll give you a ship and we'll just forget all about what I saw in those flames. <laughs> you were either betraying him or you were right at the front of his fleet. <laughs> One of those two. It's one of those two, and depending on what you do is how I'm going to decide what I saw. Yeah, but and he leads the whole thing off. A- Axel leads the whole thing off to Davis by saying, if it were up to me, I'd burn you along with my brother. Yeah, yeah. So he, he kind of goes from, I'm going to burn you, I'll reward you, I'm going to kill you. So he yeah. covers all the bases. And, and th- there is one other thing to think about here is that, is he true to his word? I mean, once he's handed the king, he would have a lot of power and he also no, probably has a sense of what Stannis and Davos's relationship is like. He might want him out of the picture. Right. Yes. Because he, it's quite clear that 
Stannis really respects Davis's opinion. Yeah. Even if you're Axel Florent, you, you're picking up on that. You know? Right. But, but that's a good point, though, because even if you're Axel Florent, maybe as an Axel Florent, you don't even notice the Onion Knight, Davos Seaworth. You know, so right. maybe he wouldn't see him as a rival. He elbows out of the way the other uh, highborn rivals, but he might right. not even think to get rid of Stan. Uh, the lowly Onion Knight, exactly. Right. Yeah, and we learn in uh, here in this chapter that Stannis was definitely a green in the uh, Dance of the Dragons because he he's talking about traitors, and he mentions that. I, I won't spoil, I won't say what he, exactly what he says. There is a, because, there is a huge spoiler for House of the Dragons. Right, yes, yeah, so yeah. be careful reading yeah. this chapter if you don't know how uh, House of the Dragon is going to end. I, look, <laughs> lucky for me, I read it, I was like, oh, huge spoiler for House of the Dragons, already forgotten. <laughs> well, I won't tell you, but I will say that Stannis refers to Rhaenyra as trying to usurp her brother's throne. So... Clearly, he stood on the side of the Greens yeah. and Aegon the yeah. Second. Yeah. Um. So, if you remember Alistair Florent, his proposal, um, for which he now resides in the dungeon, uh, was to marry Shireen to Tom and Baratheon to, uh, basically build a bridge here back to the uh, to the Lannisters. Uh, Davos saw what would happen if you made that plan. <laughs> Honestly, you'd end up in the dungeon if you suggested it to Stannis. But if you write to the Baratheons with it as his <laughs> hand of the king, yeah, that's 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 the problem when you make someone the hand of the king that doesn't really know you. You know, right. is <laughs> Davos could have told him before they even the thought even came out of his mouth. No, that's going to end yeah, yeah. really badly. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, if if you started the sentence with, I've had a thought. We could marry Cherie. Uh, you'd just be leaping in. Right. No, 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 no. Whoever you're going to say, it's not a good idea. Whereas Axel would be like, let him speak. Let him speak. <laughs> Do you know who we could marry Tom and Baratheon to? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so Stannis lists uh, a bunch of family members who have betrayed him. And so I just thought we'd go down the list just kind of to remind everybody who they are and in what way they've betrayed Stannis. The first one is obviously his his brother Renly. We we know how he betrayed him. He tried to take his throne, which is a pretty big betrayal from your younger brother. Uh he mentions his grandfather, which is when you start getting in to the Estermont's family tree, it gets really confusing because there is a lot of conflicting information okay. in the various parts in the book. So either Eldon Estermont is Cassana's Cassana is Stannis's mother. Mother, yeah. Yes. So Eldon Estermont is either Cassana's father or brother, depending on what reference in the book okay. you are referring to. So in one of those scenarios, he would be his grandfather. Yes, and in multiple times in this chapter, he refers to his grandfather. So uh, regardless of whether, you know, which reference you're referring to here, the which reference you go with, the uncle or the brother, or uncle or the grandfather, uh, he sided with Renly at first, 
and then came to Stannis when Renly died, and then he bent the knee to Joffrey after the Battle of the Blackwater. Battle of the Blackwater. Right. So that's that's Elden Estamont, whoever he might be. Right. Oh, in this in this chapter is back to being his grandfather. Grandfather, right. It feels like he's definitely talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so cousins have also betrayed him. Aemon, a- son of Elden Estamont, so that could be his uncle. Right. It, 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 in this chapter, it's his uncle. Yes, in this chapter, right. it's his uncle. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Aemon's son, Alan, who would therefore be a cousin. Yes, he's he's uh, definitely they, a cousin, whether it's first or second. Right, yeah. They've also bent the knee to Joffrey. Right. And, and then he's got another cousin, Andrew, who he mentions later in the chapter that still supports Stannis. He's a former squire to Stannis, and he's the son of Lomas, who is, we're pretty sure, his brother to Kasana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and therefore... Andrew is a first cousin, right? Andrew's a first cousin, yes. Lomas would be Stannis' uncle. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash ghostsherrenhall. You can find the link in our show notes. And then uh, his uncle-in-law, Alastair Florent. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. He he was he was saying all this because he was comparing himself to Robert, saying Robert had could turn enemies into allies, and I've yeah. got family members that are betraying me. Yeah, yeah. He talks about two people that Robert captured during the rebellion, who Stannis would have put to death. And Robert went out hunting with them and partying yes. with them, you know, so. axe throwing with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were they were armed with axes while Robert was in their presence. Yeah, but right. I mean, hey, that that's how you build consensus, you know. You don't, yeah. you, you 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 bury the hatchet, you don't bear the grudges. You bury the hatchet in wood, like exactly. twenty feet away. <laughs> exactly. So Davos poo-poos the plan to attack Claw Isle, and. It's clear that Stannis already thought that. He already thought that this would be a an empty victory. You know, right. you go, you go, you take your pitiful force and you attack poorly defended lands and you win. That <laughs> hardly reestablishes your claim to the Iron Throne. And actually, Stannis maybe didn't think of this, but Davos is right. The reason it's undefended is because those people went to fight for Stannis, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I I, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that he was just running this plan past Davis kind of as a test before making him hand of the king. Does your opinion of this plan align with what I'm thinking? Right. Even though there were moments when Stannis was playing devil's advocate and was kind of supporting uh, Axel's plan, uh, I think ultimately he knew it was a bad plan. He later says it was a bad plan. Do you think that he was aware of what Axel Florent would do between the dungeon and the uh, audience with Stannis. What do I think Stannis knew? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. No, I don't think he. But, but then what kind of test is it for for Davos? 
it's not much of a test for Davos for Stannis to say, is this a good plan? Well, I think he wanted to see if his philosophies aligned with Stannis' philosophies. Yeah. I think Stannis, Stannis figured out what Axel Florent would do on that walk, that he would tell Davos, take my side in this room and I'll be good to you, fail to and I'll kill you. And so Stannis... Okay. So you think the test was, will you still be honest with me having that carrot dangled in front of you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Because I think he, he probably knew what Davos would think of the plan because they do think the same way. You know, see, that's that's what I love about this show. I came into this into this uh, episode thinking one way, and you were thinking a different way, and now I see things in a, a different light. Yeah, it, it's Stannis, a very different test than, than the test I was thinking of. And it's the kind of test that would be more important to Stannis. It's a true test of loyalty. Your right. life hangs in the balance here. Will you still do what's right for me, or will you do what's right for you? Yeah, yeah. The other test is important too because he just had a hand of the king that very much philosophically didn't align with him yeah yeah yeah. but yeah i had i had not thought about it that way so yeah good job i like it yeah so uh, axel plan really doesn't have much merit by itself i mean it would be a small victory and you know they could do with a morale boost but honestly go killing defenseless fishing villages it's just it's just murderous, you know, and I think even even the fighting men who want a victory would feel a little bit sick about that, you know. Oh, I would think so. Yeah, maybe Salador Sands people would less because I mean, you know, the first question is, well, why would Salador San help come up with this plan? And I think the correct answer is Stannis's thought that. San is up for it because of the plunder. Because Stannis right. owes Salador a ton of money. Right. And so this is one way to help him pay off some of his debt, I guess. Because it certainly doesn't seem like Salador is all that invested in showing Westeros what happens if you cross Stannis Baratheon. You know, he's like, oh, I got a great idea. <laughs> yeah. But 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 the rest the lesson that most people in the Seven Kingdoms would get from this uh, invasion of Claw Isle would be, look what happens if you side with Stannis Baratheon. Right. Yeah, you could look at it that way too. The people who fought against Stannis Baratheon are all doing just fine, but those who fought for him are now being slaughtered by him. Yeah, right. It's not a good look in lots of ways, and it's also morally very... uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yes, yes. But I will say Salador Sand's fleet is the primary fleet that Stannis has now, so he does need to find some way to start paying him the money that he owes him or do something to keep him engaged yeah. in this. Well, if you're going to keep him, I mean, the the path is to win the Iron Throne. If you win the Iron Throne, you can pay your debts, you know. Well, there is that, yeah. And, you know, I first thought, when I first read it, this section, I thought, Stannis has to be kind of careful with Axel here, because as Axel pointed out, he's been the Castellan of Dragonstone for a long time. Yeah. And and as Stannis also mentions that more than half of the men on the island are Florence. So if Axel and the Florence chose to change sides, they could possibly end Stannis' reign rather quickly. 
But then the more I thought about it, I, I remembered the fact that the Florence are pretty well hitched to Stannis right now uh, because they didn't back their own liege lord, the Tyrells. Well, they did originally, but then they came over when uh, Renly died. And we know that the Lannisters and the Tyrells have already given Brightwater Keep to Garland Tyrell. So the Florence yeah. don't even have their own castle at the moment. Yeah. So so my point there is them, uh, you know... They're not trained. likely to abandon the cause just because of the slight of losing yes. the hand of the king. Right, because yeah. they've made a bed that they kind of have to lie in right now. Yeah. Um. So we get a new perspective a little bit on Robert's rebellion that Stannis at least considered not siding with Robert. Uh, uh, I, I wonder about that, though, because he... Obviously, he's saying that, you know, betraying a king is treason, no matter what. And clearly, they did betray King Aerys. Uh, but he's he, he made it out like it was a moral quandary for him. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was, really. I mean... It, I think it's a moral quandary if your brother re rebels against a king who you do respect, you know, but nobody sure. could have respected Aerys by the end. So for, for Stannis to give to Stannis to make the the dishonorable decision that he did, it must have been pretty fair, clear, clear cut. He must have had some qualms about it because of the dis dishonor, but it must have been fairly clear cut for him, I think. Right. I think the difficulty would have come in the shape of how much Stannis believes in honor and loyalty. And is it his brother that he's going to be loyal to or his king, his liege, that he will remain loyal to? Uh, so I, I guess that's where the, the challenge came in. Yeah. My, my feeling is that everybody should adopt the Varys approach. The loyalty should be to the realm. If the person right. who runs things is not doing what's best for the realm, then that should be the end of your loyalty to that person. Yeah, sure. That's a solid position to take. Yeah. But then he expounds on the whole thing by saying that he doesn't even want the Iron Throne and he can't understand why his brothers wanted it so badly. And, you know, he, he says that he's honor-bound. He feels a duty and an honor, but he he kind of he doesn't outright say I don't want it. He just says I don't know why my brothers wanted it so bad in the first place. And then he says to Davis, "It's not a matter of want; it's a matter of I am the king." But uh, I, I thought that was pretty deep insight into Stannis's mind that he's not necessarily doing this for personal vanity, but to continue a legacy for his family, even for. Robert, who he says he admits didn't really care for him much. I'll I'll take a slightly different position. I, I I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also think there's a degree of legacy building here by uh, Stannis. He wants people to believe that he didn't want this. I didn't want this. It was thrust upon me. Oh, I see. I, right, but but he wants it. He wants it bad enough to fight and lose 10,000 men and then start to plan the next fight again. Right. He wants it. Yeah, you could certainly make that argument. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure that 
Robert wanted the Iron Throne when he started the rebellion. I mean, the the initial cause was to have uh, Lyanna Stark returned and to pay Rhaegar back for kidnapping her. And then, you know, then it became payback for the murder of the Starks. It, it didn't start out as, I want the Iron Throne. You know, it was started mm. out as smaller it, than that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and And a lot of things sort of spiral towards the end because obviously... It, it could have all been done in single combat between Robert and Rhaegar. Right. I mean, that was kind of the whole fulcrum of this. But you're right. When uh, Aerys killed the Starks, then that kind of brought him into... Uh, maybe a second single combat was required between Aerys and Ned Stark. Right. Aerys would have probably used a uh, champion, but yes. I, I think so. <laughs> but then... With Jaime killing Aerys and then the Lannisters just killing the children, suddenly they created that power vacuum. And then there's there's quite a few sort of like people who, with hindsight, might have grabbed the throne. Jaime might have grabbed the throne. Ned had a golden opportunity to grab the throne, but I think neither of them, right? Neither of them really wanted it. Yes, I agree. Which, yeah, I agree. Which kind of left Robert as the only only one left really yeah and you know i i think way way back in the in early in the game of thrones robert asked ned maybe i'm getting it maybe i'm getting a bit of the tv show mixed in here but robert asked ned why didn't you take the throne and he said ned said you had the better claim because uh robert's grandmother was a targaryen targaryen yeah yeah but just, just throwing was this that out. book or was that <laughs> no well, was so that was definitely ago, said remember. that was definitely said i don't i can't tell you one way or the other but but it's also true right his grandmother right. was a targaryen so right um just throwing one other name out i wonder if john aaron would have been an interesting choice oh uh, sure difficult because he didn't have an heir at the time right yeah yeah so uh, it yeah could have yeah, led yeah because to a, Robin is too small to have too been small to have been born then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that could have been a real problem if John Aaron had been the pick, but he might have been a consensus pick that everyone could have rallied around. Yeah, yeah, that that could have worked. But part, we are part off of, topic. We are slightly off topic. <laughs> but part of the reason Stannis feels honor and duty bound to win the Iron Throne is that he wants to pay retribution to the corrupt small council of the king, starting with Cersei and her kids. And of course, the kids weren't part of the small council, but uh, yeah. she he has a quote that Cersei made him, referring to Robert, look like a fool with those, with the kid, you know, the kids pretending that they were his, and that she might have murdered him as she did John Aaron and Ned Stark. And, you know, he's, <laughs> she probably did have something to do with Robert's murder. Right. He prov- she, she provided the strong wine to Lancel, who yeah. provided it to Robert. Yeah. Ro- Robert um, killed himself. Yes. But Going into she a definitely wasn't drunk. Yeah, she wasn't trying to stop it. Ned, right. she's culpable, but she certainly didn't want to kill him. Right. She thought, uh, if I remember correctly, she thought he was going to take the black. Right. And John Arryn, she has consistently... Not admitted to that one, admitting to w- far worse crimes. Yes, exactly. Now, Pycel, Grandmaster Pycel, did tell Tyrion that he thought she, he thought Cersei wanted 
John Aaron dead before John Aaron acted on the discovery of the incest. So mm-hmm. he took over care from Maester Coleman and made sure that John Aaron didn't recover. But we still don't know what, who or what was the initial cause of the illness. Right, right. But you're right. Cersei's been offered, had plenty of opportunity to confess and has not yet, so. Yeah. Um, Stannis also mentions that Barristan Selmy said that the rot in Aerys's reign began with Varys, which is interesting um, because... Again, I mean, I was just talking about, I was just bigging up Varys as the one person who who claims his loyalty is to the realm, not to an individual, um, which seems to me to be an honourable position to hold. And that all, But that also might mean that when Aerys went bad, Varys started to plot against him. Right. And so, in some ways, he would be a destabilising factor against a rotten king. But that doesn't sure. mean he's a problem. All you have to do is be a good king and he'll be a good servant, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, we saw Varys plotting with Illyrio, Mopatis, about a royal upheaval under Robert, which where he, they seem to be planning to put a Targaryen, and we assume it's Viserys, on the throne. Here, Selmy is suggesting that the Targaryen downfall began with Varys whispers so could we have misunderstood what Varys and Illyrio's plans were and it wasn't Viserys and Danny they wanted back on the throne because why sabotage Ares only to later put his terrible son Viserys back on the throne well that's true that's true or maybe it's just a coincidence that Ares went mad around the time that Varys arrived on the scene and Barristan is incorrect that there was a correlation. Yeah. I Yeah, it's 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 interesting to remember that that conversation was had prior to Viserys's demise because because I'm kind of seeing it as Varys was happy to get rid of Aerys, was okay with Robert, but could kind of see that Robert was not long for this world for the way he was acting and living his life. Right. And did not want Joffrey so maybe he was planning for a succession that did not involve Joffrey and Viserys might have been a possibility. But of course, that's the the, the problem with that is that Vis- Viserys was every bit as bad as Joffrey. <laughs> yes. So, I, I, but Varys I, I would... wouldn't necessarily know that, but Illyrio Mapatis would. Right. True. Yes. Yes, because he's been around him a right. lot more. Yeah. I will say that in the future... We're going to hear a slightly different version of how Varys ended up as Ares, Master of Whispers. Okay. And how Ares' paranoia time frame fits into all that. You know, the whole chicken egg thing here. So we'll get another perspective. Yeah. And then the next person that Stannis has it in for is Jamie. Um, he thinks he should have been killed or sent to the wall for what he did. And that is, I mean, that's, that is essence of Stannis right there. <laughs> it is essence of Stannis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I, I will. There's no yeah. room for flexibility and justice. It it is absolute always every time. I will say that again, Stannis likely doesn't know the full story, and we've got a Jamie coming chapter coming up next week where we'll get more details. That if Stannis had gotten these details, maybe would have swayed his opinion a little bit. 
<laughs> Simon's might sway yours. It might sway yours, <laughs> McKelly Ray, but it ain't swaying Stannis Baratheons. He's just he 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 just doesn't. He, the plight of every citizen of King's Landing is nothing to Stannis Baratheon compared to honor and uh, loyalty, fulfilling your vows and loyalty. Exactly. Yeah, you can make that argument. That's how he seems. I'm just yeah. just basing it on the way he acts. I promise it's not it's not a prejudice. <laughs> I'm finding Stannis to be so much more complicated and intricate in this read through as I did dive so deep into each chapter. Well, that that is true. I mean, we 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 talk about Stannis the way that everybody talks about Stannis, but the reality is we keep seeing him doing things that are not. Stannis like right how often do we say something yeah, exactly. like that yeah yes I mean I... he he brought up the one that I, I've almost completely forgotten and missed all along that he totally sided with Robert in the rebellion right. yeah he could he could completely have fought against him he would have expected Renly to fight against him right yeah he holds Renly <laughs> to a higher calling uh so we learn that uh, Melisandre advised Stannis to summon Davis. And that was shocking to Davis. Uh, he was in the dungeon for trying to kill her. Yes, right. And back in those dungeons, when they had their conversation, he spoke truthfully, even when it wasn't what she wanted to hear. And, you know, you add that to seeing... Well, we don't know whether she can or not, but if she's seeing through Axel's of, you know, what is the term? What was the term she used? Uh, gaudy light, seeing through the gaudy light mm -hmm. to a, a dark heart. Then you get what you have here, you know, where she's like, no, that's the guy you want right there. That yeah. Davis Seaworth. And, and actually, if you think about it, that goes to the test we were talking about. He also tested him in kind of the same way and he stuck you know he stuck to the truth didn't say the thing to help himself said you know spoke the hard truth and yeah the test did the same thing today so davos keeps on proving himself to be truly loyal yeah and one thing she said to him down in that dungeon was uh, that you doubt the truth of her lore but you serve him all the same and will serve him again and I wonder if that serve him again was a little foreshadowing to him becoming Hand of the King. Uh, that she had decided. Time, yeah. Sorry. Finish this. No, she, just that she had decided to advocate for Davis to Stannis. I thought it had a double meaning, though. I thought it meant when I set you on fire. You'll be serving. Oh, but Davis might have been thinking the same thing at that right. time. <laughs> she was perfectly fine with him hearing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also that Melisandre advised Stannis to give Renly one final chance to relent Stannis's claim. That Stannis was ready to go to war with Renly, but uh, Melisandre was the one who asked for a final parlay to see if they could uh, come up with something. So that's interesting. Uh, it shows that she's because she's so such a sort of religious fanatic. You kind of see her as being in the same way that. Stannis is seen as a sort of monolith. You see her as monolithic as well, but in actual fact, she was she was trying to find alternative solutions to the problems. Yeah, yeah. It, I find that found that whole so 
section there when they were talking about Melisandre and Renly to be a bit confusing and unclear because he Stannis says to Davis she's no more to blame for Renly's death than I am she was with me the whole time but then he says she would have spared Renly's life if she could have so at first it sounds like Stannis wasn't aware that it was Melisandre that you know sent the Shadow assassin to kill Renly. But then she he says she would have spared Renly's life if she could have. So then yeah. it sounds like he does know that she did that. I wonder if I wonder if the first part of that is just sort of like the sort of like court of law alibi. Right. She and I were both outside the walls of Storm's End. We had nothing to do with his death. But he brought it on himself and uh, <laughs> she was the medium by which he died, you know. Yeah, it, it's it seems awfully unlikely that Stannis wouldn't have known about her role in Renly's death. I wondered if his statement of she is no more to blame for Renly's death than I am was I signed off on it. Oh, rather than absolving them both, yes. he's actually implicating them both. He said, right. Yeah. But the it's the whole the the few sentences where he says she was with me the whole time. You can ask your son Davis if you don't believe me. He was there too. Doesn't uh, fit, uh, oh yeah, Devin, doesn't really fit with the other sentences around that. those. Yeah. So the whole thing seemed a bit confusing to me. Yeah. So Edric Storm is in town. If you remember that uh, that was the reason for the second Shadow Demon was to get Edric Storm from Storm's End. Edric Storm, right. as we remember, is Robert's second oldest bastard, I believe, behind uh, Maya. Yeah, Maya's the oldest, I think. Yeah. Gendry might be a older. He seems older anyway. Edric okay. seems like a, like a, maybe not past his tween years yet. Okay, I see. Um, but he's Edric is under the weather and he's being leeched. But then, given what happens at the end of the chapter, I think maybe he's perfectly healthy. They just wanted some blood. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they also talk about how charming Edric is and how he's befriended. You know, he was he was beloved at Storm's End. And in fact, Stannis mentions the fact that Courtney Penrose gave his life to protect this kid because he loved this kid. And who's that sound like to you? <laughs> it doesn't sound like Stannis Baratheon. No, it doesn't. But it, it does sound an awful lot like Edric's father. Robert Baratheon, exactly. really yes. good at uh, yeah. charming people and getting them to uh, fall in line with his way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, certainly the him being sick could be related to what Melisandre alludes to at the end of the chapter, wanting the boy. It doesn't sound like for any good positive purposes for Edric anyway. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, to, to jump ahead a little bit, it sounds like there's a, there's a conflict between Melisandre and uh, Stannis over Edric. She wants to put him to death because she thinks she can do significant magic with, the by by causing his death right but as a sort of compromise they've said if we can get some blood from him we can do some lesser magic with it and the lesser magic appears to be some curse against the three usurping kings yeah that's what certainly what it seems like yeah. it doesn't Which, seem like melisandre wants uh edric for an ice cream social it seems like mm, she's she's got yeah. some nefarious plans for the boy but you know what if you got to say, if if something bad happens to the three kings who get named, then, you know, 
then she's got a case. Right. Imagine what I could do if I lop his head off, you know. <laughs> if you give me the whole body worth of blood. <laughs> but but it's interesting, Stannis again, you know, sort of like he could do the Stannis-like thing and say, he's just my bastard nephew, I don't care, put him to death. But he's protecting him and trying to find a lesser solution to achieve the end, which he thinks is the best thing for the realm, him on the throne. Right. And he's because... giving up that opportunity for the kid. Because so he's, he's an innocent boy and he exactly. is his his nephew. So yeah, there's there are serious complexities to Stannis when you start to really dive yeah. into his character. Yeah. Maybe he's uh, just as charming as Edric. <laughs> I'm not sure that's one of the complexities. <laughs> that's not one of the levels of the onion there. Now, we just had a discussion about Stannis' flaming sword right in the middle of our summary. Presumably we edit out because it was a fairly I was reading yes. the book to try and sort this out. So I read it in in my mind, I thought that Stannis had a flaming sword, much like Beric and Darien. But then Simon read it to me. And he's right. It's it glows. It doesn't necessarily say it's flaming. It, it and, glows with flame-like colors, but it yes, doesn't sure. mention that it's a flaming sword or fall. Yeah, <laughs> the fall colors that works too. Yeah, it, obviously, Beric Dondarrion's sword. The flames were real. It it burned yeah, for sure. The yeah. hound and this when. When Stannis touches Davis' shoulder, it doesn't feel like anything but a regular a sword. old sword. Yeah. yeah. So this made... But anyway, this made Davos the new Hand of the King, and we pretty confident he's going to be honourable and do right by Stannis and not overstep the mark. He may overstep the mark, but he'll do it doing things that Stannis would want, you know, because right. he knows his mind. And yes, that is a huge plus here compared to Alistair. And and he names Stannis names Davis Lord of Rainwood. And so Rainwood is the forest that makes up much of Cape Wrath, which is the peninsula in the Stormlands where Davis's keep is. Um, oh. But I, I will say it's unclear if the title grants him any, you know, liege lordship, if he, you know, he has any uh, vassals that report to him because there's others like the... Uh, House Cairn of Nightsong, they have a their self-styled title is Lord of the Marches, but that doesn't hold any real power over Good any point. of the other lords. Yeah, yeah, I see, so. I see what you're saying. Um, as we were saying, there is the 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 candidates for Hand of the King were rather thin on the ground, and Stannis himself makes this point about yes. why the alternatives are worse. Um. So uh, Durham Bar Emmon is one. He calls him that boy. And he's the 15-year-old Lord of Sharp Point. If I was Stannis Baratheon, I wouldn't want a 15-year-old as my Hand of the King. No. No, that's I, probably not a good idea. I wouldn't idea. trust a 15-year-old to drive a car. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. In, in fact, the um, the government of our state doesn't either. So, yes. you know, that works I mean, out well. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm entirely in agreement. His, his faithless uh, grandfather, who's already bent the knee to the other side, so he wouldn't be much use. Or his uncle, depending on where you depending are in the story. Right? Yes. Yeah. Adrian Celtigar, uh, he comes up, and of course, he's already bent the knee to uh, Joffrey after the Battle of Blackwater, just like Stannis' uncle did. And then uh, 
the new he mentions the new Valerian is six years old. That's Montres Valerian. He became Lord uh, Valerian when his father died on the Blackwater. Hmm. And the, the new Sunglass sailed for Volantis after I burned his brother. So Gunsa's Sunglass was the brother who got burned, who told Stannis after Melisande burned the statues of Seven that he couldn't support Stannis any longer. So he was thrown in a cell and then Melisande burned him alive in Davos Three. So his brother, not, not entirely uh, incomprehensibly, has fled to Volantis. To <laughs> right. <laughs> Put a lot of water between you and exactly. Dragonstone. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's sure. So, I mean, just to wrap that up, Davis seems like a pretty good option compared to that lot there. He did compared to good people. Right. Yes. It's, it's, the, it's just Davis's constant putting himself down. You know, he just he just can't believe that he is. As worthy as he is. The only real challenger is Axel Florent, really, who's got the sort of like the gravitas and power to make a good hand of the king. But this whole incident proves that he's more interested in, in power grab than in serving Stannis. So. Right, right. But, it, you know, it sure seems like Stannis saw the battle between the Night's Watch and the others and Whites on the Fist of the First Men in those flames. He truly did. I, I I do question whether that would change my mind as Stannis Baratheon to my path. I mean, his 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 path to this point has been to try to win the Iron Throne. That vision appears to have given him a different sort of raison d'etre, and I I wonder that it would do that because it's too incomprehensible. I mean, right. there's something very scary in the Snowy Lands. Yeah, you know, if we didn't already know the event. Yeah. You know, like we know because we were right. there with yeah. Sam, but but uh Stannis was not. So but but he's also got Melisandre saying, you know, the the real battle is against the great yeah. other. Yeah, that's not, true. That's true. So he's he's got her in that in yeah, that capacity. And she probably could interpret the vision for him like that's what's happening. You see those guys, those are what we mean when we say the great other. Yeah, and, and it certainly confirms that the others are related to the great other, if not the physical manifestation of the great other. Yeah, yeah. So. Melisande makes it sound like Armageddon. She described it as man's hour on earth is almost done, uh, which means, suggests that it's not just Westeros, that this could be the whole world. Right. It certainly comes across that way. Yeah. Now, I wonder if seeing the Night's Watch fighting the others, if it might cause Stannis to turn his attention to aiding the Night's Watch. We know that Pycelle told, uh, uh, Pycelle told us that Bowen Marsh sent a letter to all the kings. So you would think Stannis has gotten a letter about, you know, their need for help. But but uh, in this sense, I think Melisandre and this the battle between R'hllor and the Great Other would probably be enough to cause him to commit to helping the Night's Watch if he plans, if he's ever even thinking about doing that. Yeah. So the reason Melisande wanted to kill Edric was so that she could, and I'm going to put air quotes here, wake the stone dragon. And in the last Davos chapter, Melisande told how Azor Ahai would be born again amidst smoke and salt to wake dragons out of stone. 
So is Edric Storm the Azor Ahai? No. <laughs> Presumably, Melisandre is trying to fulfill some kind of prophecy here, and she believes that Stannis could be Azor Ahai. Yeah. We we discussed um, last time around that there's someone else that fits that description pretty well, and that will be uh, Daenerys Targaryen. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we discussed that she was born on Dragonstone and that she woke stone dragons uh, out of those stone dragon eggs that she yeah. she was uh, given. So, yeah, but she he he doesn't get uh, Edric or she doesn't get Edric. Instead, she um, she has to deal with these three leeches and he uses them for the three kings that he would like to rid himself of. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of sad in some ways that that it's. I mean, obviously, Stannis is Stannis, so it's the three kings. But there are he has more, he has worse enemies than the than two of the three people he names. Tywin, I mean, you know, Tywin, exactly. Yes, yes. right. You take out Tywin, and the whole Lannister House of Cards falls. Yeah, yeah, but it certainly ends um, our hopes for a. Uh, Rob Stark, Stannis Baratheon put their differences aside for the greater good alliance. Presumably she could throw another leech on the fire and say, undo that one. <laughs> An undo leech. Yeah. <laughs> but he did, Stan, in his defense, he did tell Cat, no, I consider yeah. your son Rob to be as much of a traitor as the others. Yeah. So, yeah. I just find it, it, it certainly seems, and I think he alluded to this previously that Stannis doesn't feel he owes Ned anything uh, yet Ned risked and lost his life to get the message to Stannis about Stannis's right to the Iron Throne so yeah. you know but, but then that goes to his I don't want this I am this you know anyone right. who does something to help me gain the Iron Throne is simply fulfilling their duty there's no yeah. there's no nobleness to it it's simply what you were supposed to do so right that's true i think there's a, there's also still some sour grapes there about robert picking ned over stannis to be his hand of the king after john aaron died yeah i think a lot of stannis is stannis and stannisness masks <laughs> sort of like bitter feelings towards individuals <laughs> All right do you have some background for us this chapter had a lot of background uh, options. Even as I read it, I was like, it's a bumper. What it really can, is. What will he choose? <laughs> so, yeah, I had a lot to go with. But again, I have to be sparing with my background so that we don't run out. So Stannis references his brother Robert winning three battles in a single day at Summerhall. That's obviously in reference to Robert's Rebellion. Because when Robert, Ned, and John Aaron declared their open rebellion against Mad King Ares, not all of their bannermen were quick to fall in line behind them. Three of such were the Stormlords Fell, Catherine, and Grandison, who opted to back the king. Their plan was to meet at Summerhall, join forces, and march on Storm's End. Robert Baratheon had just returned to Storm's End after squashing Targaryen loyalist forces at Gulltown in the Vale. Unfortunately for Robert's three wayward lords and their forces, the young Lord of Storm's End got wind of their plan. Robert and his forces got to Summerhall before the three factions could unite, 
and took them out one by one. Lord Fell was killed, and as Stannis told us, Catherine and Grandison were captured and eventually turned to Robert's side. Well, thank you. Certainly. Um, Back to the television show, um, we, we saw a bit more of Davos in the dungeon, um, but he gets visited there by Princess Shireen, which is kind of interesting, who, uh-huh. uh, who, who while he's stuck there, she starts to teach him how to read. Which is a gripe he has about being Hand of the King, is he King, can't read yes. it right. So in the TV show, they started to address that. Um, Alistair Florent is dropped and Edric Storm is dropped. Neither of them feature. Um, the moral quandary of should I say what I think will set me free or should I speak the truth is changed into, uh, St- you know, that was about Claw Island. It's changed into Stannis announcing that they're going to kill a bastard son of Robert Baratheon for the magic that it would bring. Now, it's not Edric Storm because he was dropped entirely from the TV show. It's somebody else, but it's I think it's a little bit of a spoiler to mention who it is, so I'm not going to. Okay. They have a bastard son of Robert Baratheon, and they're going to kill him. It's Jon Snow, isn't it? <laughs> Wait a minute. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. <laughs> but... um. Davos does what Davos would do. He says, don't kill that innocent child. And so instead they do the three leeches. Ah. And then the three leeches have the same uh, end game. Okay. The leeches the leeches aren't spared the fate. No, they got it. They bought it, the leeches. But they, I mean, they died with a full stomach, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but entry, apart from, I, I shared some confusion with you over some of the things he was saying, but they were very much character decisions and very much felt like he was intentionally saying things that were slightly ambiguous. So you can't really call it pedantry without raising the ire of certain people. Right. Yes. We definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. So news and notes. So George Martin was recently interviewed by GBC News, which is a Gibraltarian public broadcast service. I didn't know it existed. But uh, it was a follow-up to his blog post about how the Rock of Gibraltar inspired Casterly Rock. I watched it today. It's about 10 minutes long, and he talks about some of his experiences when visiting the Rock of Gibraltar, along with his experience visiting visiting um, Hadrian's Hadrian, which did we decide? Hadrian, Hadrian. Hadrian's Wall, which you know is something else we've talked about not that long ago. Uh, I posted it on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and our Discord community so you can check that video out in any of those locations remember hadrian when we mentioned it before i was saying that he has a gate named after him in athens and a wall oh, right. named after him in between england and scotland it's like that guy had some had some scope yeah maybe martin used hadrian's gate as his inspiration for the bloody gate i i don't know where it was in roman times but right now it's just in the middle of a park I mean, like you can walk around it or through it. It, it stops nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very. It's not very similar to the bloody gate in any no. way. <laughs> okay, so um, for people who are listening up to date, um, this week we have our live video chat with our sustainers. Um, it'll be at seven p.m. on Tuesday. Um, we hope as many of you as possible can come. We always enjoy hanging out with you guys. That we do. It's a lot of fun. And uh, if you're listening in the future, well, you missed it. You missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And we just a, a shout out to our Lord Paramount member Vanessa, who uh, for two reasons. One is that she has taken on the uh, unenviable task of collating and uh, databasing all of McKelly's background, so that we can keep a track of what we've done and what we can do in the future. So incredibly that helpful. Is, yeah, that is yeoman's work, and we're really thankful to Vanessa for it. And also, sure we is. know that she's got um, uh, illness in her family, and so we give her our very best wishes. Absolutely. So let's conclude. Um, so, yeah, as you've been saying, Stannis is is sort of two-dimensional at best, uh, but there's more to him once you start to really think about what he's doing. You know, he's, he seems like he's quite smart. He is more flexible than he lets on. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh and also he seems to be driven to do the right thing, you know? He's seen this vision in the flames and he's not abandoning his claim to the Iron Throne. He is the king of the Seven Kingdoms. Right. But delaying it in favor of trying to help the greater good. Yeah, possibly. It seems like that's what Melisandre was getting at there. Yeah. Yeah, on on first read through, you might just think of Stannis as a rigid just man but on subsequent read-throughs and especially as i've read the chapters so many times in a week for this particular read-through i begin to pick up on the complexities that make him so fascinating yeah he's definitely a rigid just man for sure Mm -hmm. but he's also caring and at times surprisingly reasonable and we we saw his loyalty to his family to uh his brother robert and edric and He's very self-reflecting. He asked Melisandre, why would the great other choose me? You know, what? my brother, Robert, was a much better choice. Why would he even bother to choose me? And he takes criticism. That's one thing you could certainly say about him. As long as it's honest criticism, he's willing to listen. And he's he's actually quite forward-thinking for someone of Westeros. He mentions that Shireen is his heir. Yeah. You know, it, not that I I need to find an heir, but that Shireen is his heir. And, you know, he even has a bit of a dry sense of humor at times. Go on. So, <laughs> well, he just, he makes some, like he tells uh, Davis, you know, he tells him to get on his knees and Davis is kind of hemming and hawing. And he, in my mind anyway, he kind of jokingly said, do it. Your Lord commands you. Your right. King commands you. Okay. You know, okay, I, I, I think he just, he, he has a little bit of a sense of humor that you wouldn't expect. So, so what you're saying is when he says the absolutely rigid, rock solid Stannis Baratheon things, if you read it enough times, you might start to think he's being funny. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. Sure. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, not great news for Rob Stark being lumped in with those other two Kings. Honestly, I'm okay if those curses, which clearly they were, work just fine on Baylor Greyjoy and Joffrey Baratheon. But don't be doing anything bad to Rob Stark, please. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. The Starks have had enough pain and suffering since Ned rode south with King Robert. Again, you know, you mentioned last week that the timelines are sometimes a bit off. Maybe this was before Rickard Carstark's uh, uh, betrayal. Oh, and that and that was the thing. That was the thing. The thing for Rob. Oh, and maybe, oh yeah, yeah. Maybe before he foolishly married the wrong girl. 
Yeah, and his grandfather died. And his grandfather died. Yeah, it's been going. I mean, it's all going horribly wrong for him. So maybe his this sister was happened, married yeah. to their arch enemy. Balin and Joffrey are having the time of their lives. They want to watch their backs. <laughs> yeah, really. But so Melisandre says regarding the fight at the fist. Davis asks, "What does that mean?" And she says, "The war has begun." Is what it means. So does that mean the first step in the war is helping the Night's Watch? You know, that we'll have to keep an eye on that. I mean, it would be quite an about face for Stannis to give up on taking the Iron Throne like he's been 100% committed to doing to he saw something in the flames and now he's going to head north right. to uh, to help the Night's Watch fight the others. But at the same time, I think what he saw in the flames shook him enough and he's got Melisandre on his shoulder saying, that's where we need to be. That's yeah, the yeah. that's the real battle. She needs to look over Axel Florence's shoulder when he's looking into the flames as well. So she, can, <laughs> she can roll her eyes when he says, You're right. Oh, is that what you see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just looked like flames to me. Um, Melisandre said that the leeches will and won't work. So she thinks these curses will work, but maybe they won't work. It's... It, but the thing is, I think the more we think about this, the more obvious that ambiguity is. The curses are going to work. Whatever the curse is, it's going. she thinks it's going to work. What won't work is that it's not going to wake the stone dragon, that which is the yeah. point of bringing Edric Storm there for his blood. And so... Right. Yeah, sure. So if if it doesn't do what they need... If the leeches don't do what they need it to do, do we need to fear for Edric? Well, yeah, but the, but the flip side is, if the leeches do do what they might do, you know, if if all three of those characters are killed off, do we need to fear for Edric? Right. Yeah, because then it shows that it yeah. it did do something. See what I did and with now... a leechful? Imagine what <laughs> I could do with a a legful. Right. And they have a, an argument, Melisandre and Stannis, that one innocent boy against all the boys and girls and people of Westeros. So clearly they find this blood to be what they're trying to accomplish to be very important. So yeah. whether it does or doesn't work, we still might need to worry yeah. about Edric. So one and question. actually, uh, one thing that Davis notices is that Stannis doesn't use... Edric's name, and that makes Davis very nervous. Right, 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 right. Distancing himself from what's about to happen kind of thing. Right. Yeah, maybe. One question you might think about is what's uh, going to happen to the Florence now? Uh, in particular, uh, is is Axel going to take Alistair's place in the dungeon? Is Alistair going to be saved from the flames by Davos? Yeah, you know, can he use his new power and position mm. to... Uh release Alistair, maybe save him from the flames. Yeah, and I mean, uh Alistair's still a, a man of power. I mean you might want him at the head of your armies not making decisions. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right yeah. give him the right role and maybe right. he will yeah. uh succeed. And at the on the flip side, we know what Axel threatened to Davis is should maybe Davis avoid walking near any ledges <laughs> for the foreseeable future. I think I would. Are you yeah. Jamie next week? We are, yes. Uh, That'll be fun. High five. We, as I mentioned earlier, we get some <laughs> You can do five, you just can't do high ten. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we get some additional information about the events that led up to him becoming the Kingslayer. And Roose Bolton lets on about what he plans to do with Jamie and Brienne. So you're Excellent. definitely going to want to tune in next week and find out what that is. Excellent. All right. There's three ways that you could help us. You could leave us a positive review. You can buy some merchandise at ghostsofharrenhall.threadless.com. Or you can buy us a cup of Arbor Gold at buymeacoffee.com slash ghostsharrenhall. Or become a sustainer at the Lord Paramount or Knight of the Realm level and, and get the beautiful benefits that are associated therewith. That's right. And as always, you could reach us at ghost.harrenhall at gmail.com. You can go out and follow us on Twitter at Ghost Heron Hall. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.